sailor, watch how we do with a drunken sailor, watch how we do with a drunken sailor early in the morning. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in and thanks for sticking with us. We had to take a month off from the podcast to work out some of the kinks, but we're back with a great episode. Thanks for your patience, and we hope you continue to enjoy. So there I was. Watch how we do with a drunken sailor. Watch how we do with a drunken sailor. Watch how we do with a drunken sailor early in the morning. This podcast started around a campfire where these stories belong. These extraordinary tales are the ones that bring us together. This is where you'll hear them direct from the men and women who live to tell their tales. They're not professionals, but neither are we. I'm Matt. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to... So there I was. Watch how we do with a drunken sailor. Watch how we do with a drunken sailor. Watch how we do with a drunken sailor early in the morning. Shave his balls with a rusty razor. Shave his balls with a rusty razor. Shave his balls with a rusty razor early in the morning. We've all been beginners. And being a beginner comes with challenges. But we never expect those challenges to be life or death scenarios. In this podcast, you'll hear two tales of struggling beginners, both naive, both waterborne. We begin with a kayaking story from our friend, Charlie Nash. Hey everybody, how you doing? I'm Charlie Nash. Um, we're going to discuss my one kayaking story. <laughs> and I am not a kayaker. Uh, I work at Carnegie Mellon University. So you're not a kayaker? Not a professional or, kayaker. Okay. No. Okay. In the summer, I like most things related to water, except for kayaking. <laughs> so not, <laughs> so not kayaking. Not anymore. Okay. Uh, I have a, I have a speedboat, I, so I do you know skiing, how, wakeboarding, all oh, of that so type have, of thing. How many you kayaks know. do you have? I have zero kayaks. <laughs> zero? Okay. I have zero kayaks, okay. yes. This um, is really helpful information. It's really set me I up. I have kayak paddles, <laughs> and okay. I will explain. Your dad has something to do with this, right? He's no longer with us, so this will sort of be a tribute story to him. He ran an electronics shop. He was one of those guys. They had all kinds of buddies like trucker friends and stuff like that and they're always bartering and trading and it was one of those things you never knew what he was going to come home with at the end of the day you so know? like what would he come home with guns knives <laughs> anything that truckers would barter for new a new cb basically hey, so, i got a trout in the back of yeah, the truck right. so you never knew what he was going to show up i was probably in late high school early college at this point i don't know exactly where he got the kayak so what what kind of kayak i don't know I don't know anything about kayaks. It was white, and it had a red stripe on the side of it. It looked pretty cool. Did you have to, like, get into it, or was it sit on top? Do you even know that much? I had to get into it. It was pretty tight around my yeah. waist. I was, I was pretty in this thing. I did not have a skirt. I had a kayak, and I had a paddle, and I had a life jacket that I decided not to take with me. I was a swimmer. I was a lifeguard. I was a swim coach. I could do anything in water. So there was nothing that was going to stop me. Did you have me. a helmet on? A what? A helmet? No. Uh, the girl that I was dating at the time, you know, wanted to tag along. Um, she was afraid of the water, so she stood <laughs> on the shore. So I had no idea how to get in this kayak. So I sort of, like, waded out into the water. There were a lot of people around. So I'm like, wow, this is kind of kind of embarrassing because I have no idea what I'm doing but I wanted to make it look cool because I, I wanted to look like I knew what I was doing so I got I got in it it, it was a little awkward it was tight so I'm paddling out uh, sort of out in the middle of the water so yeah I guess there's like a way that if you flip over 
in a kayak, you're supposed to be able to, I don't know what, roll over or unflip yourself or something. Well, I want to go faster. Okay. So I started paddling a little faster. I guess I, I guess I flipped over. I don't know. I was sort of stuck. So I sort of waited a, a minute or two. I'm like, well, I'll just like flip back around or something. Like this is just all part of the experience. I'll naturally, you know, find my way back to the surface, right? I sort of tried to like wiggle my hips a little bit. I thought that would help. So your girlfriend is still unsure. I guess I was un- underwater. I couldn't see where she was. I'm trying to like wiggle back. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, this is just all part of kayaking, so I can I can roll with this. I'm underwater. I can't get out. I'm like, I gotta I gotta somehow wiggle myself out of the kayak, and then I'll be fine. I'll just roll it back around. Well, I can't get out of this thing. Like I'm at such a 90 degree angle in this yeah. kayak that I can't. I can't wiggle out of it. Uh, are you starting to worry about your breath? No, I'm a swimmer, dude. Okay. I can handle that. I got that covered, right? Charlie says he's got it covered. Okay, so maybe he can hold his breath for a really long time. But seriously, while this story is starting to get scary, the context is mild. His girlfriend is watching. She could call for help. He's on flat water. There's houses, roads, and cars nearby. It's summertime. And even though Charlie's air is running out, it's not like he's in the middle of the ocean. It's not cold outside. These conditions aren't so bad. Imagine a worse scenario. Let's take a detour to the high seas. Let's do it in the wintertime. And let's put ourselves on a sailboat. Meet our friend Francie Desmond. Francie grew up in Pittsburgh, which is only like 500 miles from the nearest ocean. So there's a lot of river traffic in Pittsburgh, and that's where Francie began to question her life on land. She told us about her appetite for the seas, which began at an early age. Francie, I'm going to mess up your last name. I'm going to say Desmond. Desmond. Very good. Wow, I didn't mess it up. Well, it was DeSimone when it came over. DeSimone. Yeah. I love and, that. And my great-grandfather took the I out. Well, we're, we're a city of immigrants, right? Right. And we're all from somewhere else. And I grew up on the Allegheny watching the barges, saying to myself, where are they going? And I want to go too. Unfortunately, they were just headed for Blonox. <laughs> No, actually, they did go to Martha's Vineyard with coal. Oh, really? Yeah, because there is a rock off of of the chop called Allegheny. So we actually, our our coal went everywhere. Get out. Hey, not not only that, Yins, guys, but speaking of sailing, (laughs) when I transited the Panama Canal, the doors were made in Pittsburgh. Whoa. Get out. Get out. <laughs> yeah, and they're big, too. They're like 30, 50 feet high. Giant you know. steel doors. St- giant steel doors made in Pittsburgh stamped Wait, these right are, on there. These are literally the doors that hold back the water in the Panama Canal, Correct. like for the lock system. Yep. That's rad. That's really rad. Who knew? I, I, yeah. You do know. <laughs> now, I, now me. So, Francie, I just met you 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. All I know is we've got a sailing story, and you've already given me more, more information just from chatting. Like, I've heard St. Martin's. I've heard St. Bart's. I've heard Martha's Vineyard. I've heard Blonox. <laughs> Cheswick and Cheswick Panama. <laughs> and Panama. In 1970, 
my parents chartered a boat out of St. Thomas. I was six years old. It was me, my brother, and my parents. They chartered it with a captain, and we sailed around for a week. So ever since I was a kid, I'd always wanted to do that lifestyle. I'd wanted to go sailing and live on a boat. In high school, I went to a camp in Vermont and sailed on Lake Champlain. I, I don't feel like I ever was an accomplished sailor at all at that point. But I still had this dream. And then I started going to Martha's Vineyard when I was in college after my freshman year. I kept going back. Were you working on a ship? No, I was making sandwiches, selling tchotchkes. The second summer I went back, which was a couple years later, I was cooking in a restaurant and the woman who was cooking with me was a charter cook she would spend the winters on boats in the islands cooking making money doing the charter thing and every summer i'd call my dad and i would say i'm not coming home i'm getting on a boat and going south i finished school and i went back to the island and that was my goal was to find a boat and go south so there i was you know i went through the summer and then into the fall and I was looking for a boat and I got a job working in the health food store, which was right next to the classic wooden boatyard. And they would come in every day for lunch and I would pester them about getting a job on the boat. So there I was <laughs> interviewing with the captain who asked me if I could follow a compass heading and with my fingers crossed behind my back, yes, I could follow a compass heading. I had, I didn't have the skill set. He knew it. He didn't want to take me. They did end up taking me. We left Martha's Vineyard two days after Christmas in 1987 at night in the dark what kind of boat are you on it's a 71 foot classic wooden yawl the smaller mast is behind the steering column designed by a british firm built in italy how many people on the boat 10 how many as inexperienced as you two women i was one of two women um, she didn't have any experience. She spent the whole time actually quite seasick, and we didn't see her. Do you remember names? Because that actually might help. Okay, Ross owned the boat. The owner of the boat is Ross. So he's the captain slash owner. Correct. That's Ross. Yeah, this is... Brian is writing this down. His nephew is Antonio. Antonio, the nephew. Andrew, who's the master carpenter. Andrew, the master carpenter from... Martha's Vineyard. Brooke was the professional sailor from Beckwee. A guy named Brooke. And Jeff was the fisherman. Jeff's the fisherman. From where? The Vineyard. There's the seasick girl. What's her name? Names aren't my strong suit. You did great already. You've got five out of ten. I think the captain who got off the boat, his name was Dan. And then there was uh, Malcolm who ended up being the captain. That's great, that's nine folks. And then me. And yeah, Francie, yeah. it's a couple of days after Christmas, you're leaving at night. It was clear, it was calm, very little wind, chilly. There's no heat on the boat. How do you stay warm on a boat that's not heated at well, sea? I didn't know anything, so I'm like crawling around on my hands and knees. My feet were cold most of the time, I had a hat. Right, how, how long would it take uh, typically the 71 foot boat if the conditions were good four days so you're gonna be freezing for four days by the time you get to bermuda it's not that bad right so you're gonna be freezing for two days i mean this already sounds <laughs> look, look ripe this is funny this is funny he's telling you you're gonna be freezing but i know matt is a kayaker and i know i'm he, always the cold one he's he's had this is the cold. reason this is the reason i'm asking <laughs> you because i'm always the cold one we're headed out west out of vineyard sound before we head south. Everybody's doing their thing. What's the watch cycle? Four hours? Three hours? 
I don't recall that one because right. it was 30 <laughs> some years yeah, okay. ago. But there's 10 of you. So but like, there are 10 of us. Th- that doesn't nine, seem all that. Really? Not, yeah, 10 <laughs> minus one seasick. Minus right. one. So off we go. And, you know, for the first, you know, two days, it, it was fine. We made headway, getting used to the seas. The worst part is really cr- crossing the Gulf Stream. In New England, it's a little further out than, say, if you were in Florida. It's notoriously a very difficult transition. Because it's going north and off this Correct. way and you're going south. Correct. So you got We're to- going against the current. And that's when depending on where the wind's coming from, that's where where the waves stack up. That would be a swell that, right? Be, that would be It would be a swell. Uh, wow. Particularly when you have a big storm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a thing a thing about sailing. Mm-hmm. So I mean I know my geography and I know my compass and I know what the Gulf Stream is, but like now you're describing this and I'm thinking you have to go down along the coast and then like head east to cross this Gulf Stream. We're actually headed southeast as soon as we clear the island. So we're already out there. The Gulf Stream is like a day out. And you know you're in it because the water's warm and you see phosphorus. How many miles is it across the Gulf Stream? Because there are eddies and things like that so it just depends and then the weather and the wind could it be a mile wide or are we talking hundreds of miles Mm, i wouldn't say hundreds but it could be 50 and here we are in the gulf stream and the wind starts picking up there's a storm coming what's called a gale Uh, a gale is about 50 to 70 mile an hour winds at the time i was actually in my bunk when the steering blew the steering What's that mean? What happened was, is that um, Antonio was was steering the boat, and a rogue wave came from behind, from aft, and knocked him and the steering column over. Oh, it broke the steering column. It broke the steering. There was a commotion. There was a commotion. (laughs) Did you, like, fall out of bed? No, not yet. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) Go on. Go on. So, um... Francie just told us about the steering column breaking off of her boat. And at the moment, Antonio was driving the boat, steering the boat. And so I'm wondering, I'd like to talk to Antonio. Well, well, number one, I'm not sure how much steering actually happens in a gale. I think it's more like you're just trying to keep keep the boat righted. But, But yeah, the rogue wave comes up from behind. Why didn't it just knock him off the boat? Exactly. Like, what is a steering column? Is it like just a giant piece of wood that's bolted to the deck with a (laughs) big metal steering wheel on it? Because that weighs a lot more than Antonio does and (laughs) certainly is a lot more secure to the boat than he is. Why is Antonio surviving this? And why why doesn't she sound worried? (laughs) She doesn't sound at all worried. Is it just maybe the time? It's 30 years later and she's like, oh, yeah, this is just something I did. We almost lost Antonio. (laughs) I know. If you lose your steering going down the, down a road in your car, you'd be freaked out. Well, you're going to crash, but you're not going to drown. <laughs> well, let's see what happens next. There were two six-man life rafts. One of them was unattached in the cockpit, and the wave that knocked the steering out took that second life raft off. I've been in life rafts for safety courses. A six-man life raft is really sardines. Wait, are you at the point where you need to abandon ship already? And they're like, don't come up on deck because they know I'm useless anyway. Don't come (laughs) on deck because we're getting in the boat (laughs) and ditching you. There's not enough room. (laughs) 
So I'm laying there, and I mean, we're getting battered, right? Here's this wooden boat that we, they had to drop the sails because you can't make forward motion if you can't steer because the compass is on top of the steering column. So when that whole thing went over, it was very low tech as far as electronics go. So there was a depth sounder and a VHF. And that was it. None of the fancy equipment that people go offshore with now. So here but we. But a VHF, that's a radio. You could you yeah, could radio for help if somebody was listening. Was close by. Okay. <laughs> like you're not reaching mainland radio signals. The guy who was hired to be the captain was actually on the radio trying to get Captain Dan was trying to get the Coast Guard to come rescue us on the VHF. Hold on, this I need, we need to slow down here. <laughs> Well, I haven't even gotten to the good stuff, but go ahead. We'll okay, like 30 seconds ago, details. you got hit with a rogue wave, and we're already radioing for help to at the Coast Guard. <laughs> so, like, were you, like you said, you were bouncing around. Like, is there water everywhere? Is, is the power out? Like, are you terrified? Yes, I was terrified. Yes, the boat was bouncing around. Yes, we had electricity in the boat. And so there I was laying in my bunk, running all of the questions that you are thinking through my mind, like, holy shit, this is it, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like here I am 22 in the middle of the North Atlantic in winter and the boats broke. Well, you didn't know how to read a compass anyway, so that compass was no use to you. (laughs) I figured it out pretty quick though. (laughs) They're telling me that it's 80 mile an hour winds and 40 foot seas and not to go on deck. In the trough, it's half of the height of the mast. Whoa! And even when it was daylight, I mean, it was so overcast with the wind and everything. It's not like you could have seen much anyway, except for the waves. You can really feel the boat moving. At one point, the boat came up in a wave and the next thing you know all the water goes away and the boat's hanging there falling and dropped about 10 feet and everything shuddered everything shuddered this is why you hire a really good boat builder right so water had been coming in a little bit but that was like the scary thing was when the boat shuddered and then you wonder if the planks are blowing right so there i am like oh my god this is it i'm dying in the North Atlantic, I'm going to freeze to death. And if we end up in that life raft, it's, you know, a day, two days, maybe. And I'm thinking only, to myself. There's only room for 60 yeah, anyway. You're, you're, not gonna, you're not lasting long enough. <laughs> Especially if the weather keeps up. Like, forget it. Forget it. You might as well just jump in the water. And that's when I said to myself, I'm going out the way I want to go. <laughs> I mean, you prefer not to You go. prefer not to. But then, you know, after two days of this, I'm like. Wait, two days? Two days of this kind of thing going on, I realized that if anyone can fix the boat, it's the guys on the boat. And I felt comfort in that. I felt safe knowing that they would be able to handle anything that happened. Was that true? It was true because like the captain who was hired, Dan, he was calling the Coast Guard saying we were sinking and Ross, the owner of the boat, captain for the delivery is saying, no, we're fine. The boat's in good shape. So these two were going back and forth with the Coast Guard, but they actually had to save a freighter that wasn't doing well. And by the the time they made it to us, they were fixing the steering. Well, we also lost one of the sails, right? Because of all the blustering, it ripped. And so then we had less to work with to make 
forward motion. So we, we're sailing at any rate, but then we're surfing down these 20 footers, right? And when you're in a 70 foot boat and you're surfing down, it's like the biggest roller coaster you can imagine. Anyway, so then we're sailing off and the, the seas subside and then I'm just cooking and like hanging out in the cockpit and the guys are, you know, doing their round the clock watches. And this is your first trip of this nature. These guys, you know, you met them, you, you got the guy to take you on and everything. Were they saying, were they like, giving you high fives and shit going like hey friends you made it you're an old salt now girl it's new england they're not like that up there (laughs) it was like you know you still have to pull your weight right Right. because you're on a boat taking up space so i then had to provide three meals a day so either i was baking something cooking eggs making sandwiches cooking dinner were the other people on the ship like oh this happens every once in a while like we're okay with this or were they all like shitting themselves the only one who really did was the hired captain dan the one who really knows the one who supposedly had a lot of experience and didn't want me on the boat i fared better than he did in the time because of what why did why did you fare better well stubborn can work for you or against you (laughs) (laughs) and it was my dream and i wasn't gonna let it go you know i remember growing up going to the you know the eastern seaboard going i wonder what's out there i wonder what it's like out in the ocean and so I was going to find out, and I did. And the first trip was the worst trip. I have um, many more trips since then. Anything that comes close to that? Yeah, sailing east from Panama. It was 50-mile-an-hour winds, 10-foot seas on the nose for eight days straight. Brutal, miserable, god-awful. That's a good story. It doesn't, it doesn't make me want to go sailing, though. Going offshore in that regard is kind of dicey. So if anyone tells so me they're not afraid of the ocean, I say they haven't had the experience to um, bring them down. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor early in the morning? Let's go back to Charlie. Yeah, Charlie um, needed to be brought down, as Francie says. Well, does anybody really need to be brought down? I mean... Well, he, he's, he's like, I'm a swimmer. I can handle this. I can hold my breath. And I'm thinking, but you're upside down trapped in a kayak. Okay, I get your point. So you're saying he's got a little bit of hubris here. He thought he knew what he was... He just got into a kayak. And how many of us know people that have done that? I mean, I can tell you... Ding, ding, like yours truly. Of course, we all did. This is the point of the, today's episode. It's like... We think we can handle this, so we jump right in. I'm a swimmer, dude. I can handle that. I got that covered, right? So I'm, I'm wiggling, I'm wiggling, I'm wiggling. And so I start to use my feet a little bit to try to help sort of push me out. And uh, all of a sudden, my foot pops through the bottom of the kayak. <laughs> So I just, you know, I just push my foot through the bottom of this thing. All right, now I've concluded that this is a fiberglass boat. I guess. <laughs> I don't not know. Plastic. It was sharp. Yep. It was, it was, it fiberglass. was sharp. It ripped the shit out of your leg. So I, I have bet. a foot. I have a foot through this thing. I wasn't really being subtle, so it was probably like midway up my calf. That's how much of my foot was through the bed. It wasn't just like not my like big toe. Like my whole like leg. Were you was scared through. yet? 
I was getting a little concerned. I mean, this was uncomfortable. I'm like, this is all part of kayaking, right? I can, I can do this. I want to be a kayaker. So now I'm like, geez, this is going to be really painful because I got to get my foot back out of this boat. Now, I will admit at this point, I'm probably under the water a good four minutes and I'm starting to get a little bit like I can use a breath. You were underwater for breath. I wasn't counting, but I mean, I was under for... Uh, I was trying to figure this out because I can do this. You, you can know? hold your breath for four minutes. I used to be. You know, I think Chuck may have come up with an alternative to the Eskimo roll. If you just puncture the hull, you can just come out the other side. As painful as it was, I, I pulled my foot back through that hole. I, I, I couldn't think of anything else to do. No, that's that was the right thing to do. But you know? You, it, were, it you, were, you were bleeding all over the it's, place. Oh, okay. it's, I probably had like five or six cuts all the way around my leg and then all the way down my leg and my foot trying to get this thing back out. So I pull myself out. I'm like, awesome. I'm out of the boat. I flip back up around. I get a breath, sort of collect myself a little bit, wave over to the shore like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Well, a a sort of a crowd of people, I guess, have gathered at this point. I have no idea what's going on. I think because I'm underwater. Your girlfriend was probably screaming. She was crying, I think. And yeah, and that's what that's she's afraid of the water. That's what attracted the crowd. I think probably. So I'm like, I'm thinking like, wow, no one like no one came out to see if I was okay. No one cared. I mean, watched. They just just watched. I knew I cut my foot. I didn't realize how bad. So I get back to the shore and I'm like, well, yeah, this, so I, you know, I I probably didn't have any first aid kit or anything with me, you know? So I think what I did is I think I wrapped my foot in my shirt, you know, sort of wrapped my leg in my shirt. I I didn't get any stitches. Um, I did not seek medical attention, (laughs) whether it was needed or not. I'm not sure. So we've got two fine examples of beginner's luck. Or was it luck? Well, they both had a desire to try something new. Francie ended up going on to a long career of sailing. However, Charlie uh, would never get in a kayak again. Well, he actually came to a roll session. He's contemplating kayaking, but uh, he did say to me, I really want to do flat water. So, you know, hey. Did did you remind him that he already tried? (laughs) Yeah, would that get him? Thanks for listening to So There I Was. If you know of a story for a future episode, please reach out and let us know. It can be beginner's luck or not. Send an email to stories at so there I was podcast.com with a short summary, but don't spoil the end. And don't give too much detail. Also, we welcome any feedback. We are serious about that. The email address is stories at so there I was podcast.com. The various versions of the sea shanty Drunken Sailor in this episode were performed in order of appearance by the Blaggards, the Deutsches Volksmusik Ensemble, the Irish Rovers, and Katie Adelson. And if you've got that tune in your ear for the next week, you've got us to blame. Watch for the next episode of So There I Was at the website or on iTunes. Until the next adventure. <laughs>